0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host Scott Haskin, and I am here with an unbelievably impressive guest who has made an absolutely beautiful movie, and that is just the beginning. With over twenty thousand views on YouTube, the creator, and actor, and director of *Salmon*, Emma Vanessa Lay. Vanessa, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. There's so much stuff I want to talk about. Uh, with you. And I want to start with this movie. Uh, My my dear friend, Chandra, who was one of the early guests on this show, told me about you. And she said, uh, you should check out this film. And I watched it. Sam and Emma. There are so many amazing things about this film to me. The first thing that strikes me is that there's very little dialogue in this Mm -hmm. film. It's mostly told through visual expression and one song. How did you come up with the concept and be ballsy enough to say, I'm going to make this work? (laughs)
1: i um i actually heard the song before i ever even you know started writing the the story and i was the song just kind of like actually inspired the story a bit and i was like okay how because a lot of people have said after they watch the short they're just like god there's so much here like you can make this a full-fledged feature if you wanted to and i agree there is a lot there to unpack but i um I knew that if I was going to kind of cover what happens in this story between meeting and falling in love and getting engaged and getting married and getting pregnant and then going through all those ups and downs after the, you know, what happens um, without spoiling it, I knew that I was going to have to do it in a really um, basically through montage. It was like, there's no other way I have to keep, like, I only have money for a short film. I can't write this any other way. This is what we're doing. Like, I only have so much to work with here and so many resources. So I started writing out this montage that kind of just read very much like a music video treatment, which, you know, it kind of has those music video vibes because you just, you're hearing a song for seven, eight minutes or however long. Um, And yeah, I just knew that that was going to be the main way to tell this story to its fullest and not leave anything out. And, um, I, and the other key too was like finding an acting partner who could also be who I could just, who we had great, like I had great chemistry with and, and we did, we had such great chemistry on set. We fed off of each other really well. She was also just so expressive and so freaking talented that a lot of the, you know, the script was just kind of like a bullet point of like, okay, Sam and Emma do this, Sam and Emma do that. And then we just would go into it. And a lot of it was just very, you know, ad libbed pretty much for for the majority of the of the story, with the exception of the dialogue in the beginning and then the end. Because present day truncate or like um, bookends. Uh, the montage. But, yeah, the song just really, really inspired um, just this. this. I just wanted to tell a story about the ups and downs of a relationship but be able to show it in years rather than just what happens in a week. Um, and I just, the only way to do it was to do a montage and put a song over it. And it just, I'm so grateful that it worked out and that people are responding so well to it.
0: Oh, I I absolutely agree. I think though, I don't think this would work as a feature. I think the magic of it is the the musical side of it and the fact that there's so little dialogue. Otherwise right. it would just be another here's what happened in a relationship kind of thing. It's more sure. impactful when you see all the power moments, happy or sad, um, and then put to that particular song. Obviously your song choice was 60% of of the experience because that is the feeling that you're getting while you're watching the visuals. Right. So much of it also was what I like to call acting with your eyes, which is just not speaking just your expressions that you're exchanging, that you're showing the camera and not your partner. Um, there was so much of that. I mean, it really gripped as soon as I understood what the film was about and how it worked uh, from that moment in, it just it gripped me. It was very powerful. Some of those moments, you're just like, you don't realize you're chewing on your fingernails because you're just so engrossed in what you're seeing. And I'm not a big fan of short films because I find that you tend to not get enough time to care about the characters. You barely learn who they are and the film is over this Hmm. one, I cared about both of you right away. I was trying to figure out whose side I should be on at different points. And I'm like, nobody's I should just be for them as a couple. And I thought that was an interesting dynamic, too, because you kind of feel like this person's being loving and this one's kind of not caring as much. And then then it flips and and there's so much back and forth. But again, you're talking about a period of years in this relationship versus what we would get as like a month in a feature film or whatever. Um but yeah, I I thought it was such a brilliant way to tell a story without telling a story.
1: Right. I love, I love that you said you said that about like not being able to choose sides because it was really important for me to not make it about about taking a side and just making it about like, God, I hope, I hope they make it, like I hope they can pull through this. And that that was really important to me. Um that was a big goal. And uh, and yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that. I mean if it was a feature it would be a very very different feature. I can't, you know, have a montage for the majority of a feature film that's not going to work. Rocky did um, it. And so and so yeah, I think I I think shorts are powerful tools when you're writing something that doesn't work as a feature. I think that's when you can sometimes write the most like gripping short film um, because it doesn't work maybe in any other way. And I know people do shorts all the time for proof of concepts and this and that, but, and I hadn't like originally, it was never a proof of concept originally. And I, I get people who ask me like, well, you could, you could use it as a proof of concept if you wanted to write the feature. But I haven't just been, I, I just haven't been compelled to do it because I'm just so happy with it as a short that it almost just, it feels complete to me. And I just feel like I don't have anything else that I want to do with it. Um, I, I just really like it the way that it is. Now, don't get me wrong. If somebody came up to me and was like, I want to fund this, let's let's do this. Okay. But I don't feel drawn to needing to draw it out any longer than it is because I just think it works so well as it is.
0: And your whole budget would go to music licensing anyway. So you know, <laughs> yeah. that and craft services, and that's about all you're going to get. Right. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean... I would be curious to see what you would do with it as a feature, but honestly, I really think that this is the right venue for that kind of film. I think Mm -hmm. that's the one thing that is nice about short films is you do tend to be able to experiment more. Uh, You can branch out and do things that you necessarily wouldn't try in a feature film or things like this that wouldn't necessarily work in a feature film. But at the same point, isn't that the ultimate goal is you do some shorts, you get them under your belt, you get a body of work, and you really want to get to be doing features.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I think shorts are kind of the gateway obviously to doing features and a lot of people just they'll use shorts to help get themselves representation as well. That's always a big thing. And then kind of what, once they're repped, they move on and do other things. Um, but I think, I think there's, there's a genuine art form to creating a really strong short film. And again, I, kind of like what you said, I think it goes back to doing something that you can't necessarily do in a feature. Um, uh, I've often thought about like, okay, once I venture into the land of features, would I ever return to doing shorts? And I'd like to think that I would because I have some other scripts where I'm just like this, this works as a short. I can't imagine writing this as a feature. Like I would want to film this as a short. So I don't really know, but, but yeah, oftentimes I think they're stepping stones to reps or they're, you know, for proof of concepts, dirt for a pitch or something like that. Um, but I, I really, really enjoyed the process. And I I can't imagine not making another short film. Um, So, you know, I don't know, we'll see what my future has in store.
0: Well, I think too, it's like when an actor goes and gets away from movies and does Broadway for a year or something, it's like, there's a lot of pressure that comes with doing feature films. And sometimes maybe it's just nice to go, Hey, let's take a month off. Let's just do a couple of fun shorts or something I've always wanted to do. And It could be a more personal project, it could be an experimental project, but I think it's probably going to be nice to get away from that world of feature film pressure and go back to short film pressure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. No, I agree. I think there's something also kind of a bit more instantly, sorry, my dog is like chugging water right now, like (laughs) wrong time. Um, I think there's something um, instantly gratifying about about going in and just making a short that you film for two, three, four days or whatever. And, and, uh, I mean, the, the, the problem, the prep time can still be the same sometimes as a feature, but, you know, not, not as much to to stress about. And I think you can kind of just enjoy the process a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I actually am in the middle of writing another short film, um, that I would love to try to film this year, um, a bit more personal about, um, my relationship with my father and, uh, he, he was sick. He had Parkinson's disease and kind of just about the, the relationship that this daughter has with her father in taking care of him and, and all the, the conflicting feelings of just what it means to take care of somebody you love so deeply. And, and, uh, but also wanting to start your life and live your life and feeling like you're stuck and that maybe you, you can't because you want to be there for this person. And I've thought a lot about like, um, okay, but if I tell the story, I could tell a very straightforward story, but going back to what we were talking about, I am finding ways to tell it that would only work in a short film. And I And I just think that's just like kind of the art form. And I love that. I love that challenge because it's... You know, I I don't want to do something that feels easy or predictable or expected or anything like that. So
0: I think, too, there there is a a challenge that can sometimes be just as difficult as writing a feature film and doing a short. You really have to get people to care about your characters very quickly. You have to be able to tell a story in a very compact time. Um, You have to a lot of times because you don't have a, a good budget. You have to find ways to make things work that you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about. I think a short can be just as challenging as a feature at times.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Sam and Emma, we, we shot for four days, but <laughs> it was a marathon. Every day was a marathon. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it was a lot because we had mapped out and we, we prepped the heck out of it, which I think made being on set run a lot smoother. But we mapped out over 100 shots. And we had to get them in four days. Like it was just, it was nuts. And the wardrobe changes and the hair changes. Like it was insane. So
0: I was just thinking was, that because you're talking a, again, a relationship over a period of years. And if you're shooting that right. in four days, you've got so many different scenes and you can't say, well, where would I wore last year? Nobody's going to remember that. Well, it was eight seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. So they probably will, you know, you've got right. a lot to to cover in that time. Yeah. Um. A, again, very, very impressive. I also love the way it was shot. There was something about, the visual quality. And I'm not, I don't know those terms. Like I know a lot about film, but I don't know the, the camera terms, but there was just something about the, the smooth yet slightly grainy quality of it that got it gave it a little bit of a mystical feel and kind of a, a real intriguing look into the world that we were viewing. Was that something that just kind of happened or was that something that you went in and added?
1: Um. To me, I want to say it might just be something that ended up happening, but I do, I would defer to our DP because, um, Chris Bond, actually Chandra's husband. Yeah. Um, he's, he's so brilliant and so amazing. I love working with him. I love shooting with him. Um, we, I know we had talked about wanting to do something that felt a little more like candid, kind of like you're, you're just watching, almost feeling like you're watching something that you're not really supposed to be watching at times, something that just feels so incredibly private and so incredibly intimate. And I, you know, I, I'm glad that we didn't end up having that kind of like cinematic polished finish Yeah. because I don't, I don't think it would have benefited from that. Some stories totally do. And some stories don't, some stories, you know, deserve to be a little grittier. And I want to call this gritty. I think it was just kind of like in between there was there was like a
0: slight, just a slight, not home movie feel to it, but kind of like you were in the room versus when you have right. that cinematic polish. You definitely yeah. feel a separation from you what feel you're detached watching. From it, Very yeah. much so. Yeah. yeah. So I really yeah, appreciated so. the, the cinematic quality of it as well. I thought that was another character actually to me in the film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Chris is so talented, and like I, he he just he thinks of everything, and he thinks of it, and he really like throws himself into. I remember when we were having a, a conversation about this and he was just like, are you sure that, cause he's a straight white male. And he's like, do you want me to be the one to tell like this story about two queer women? And, and, and I understood why he was asking the question, but I, you know, I was just like, it's just about a relationship. It's just about love. It's not really about the gender or, or sexuality or anything. It's just a love story. That's what it is. And with that, I think he he was able to just put himself in this situation and, um, you know, with, with his own relationship or with, you know, or just imagined one as far as like, how would I respond if, if something like this happened in my relationship? He really just like dives in to not just the, the technical aspects of what the picture is going to look like, but like what is this story? And what am I trying to say with this story? And it's one of the reasons why I love working with him, but I think it just all meshed together so well. And, um, and I love that you picked up on that too, that, because I I have had a lot of people say the same thing. Like, there's like, I feel like I'm there or I feel like I'm watching something I'm not supposed to be watching. And I I think definitely not having that polished look was a big part of it.
0: I, I think that was a great decision. And yeah, Chris is fantastic. No doubt about that. But I'm really glad you brought that up because it's I wanted to ask you, yes, the film was about two women in a relationship, um, very intimate relationship over the course of years. But was that really an important character? Because it seems to me that it wouldn't have mattered if it was two men or a man and a woman or even like a person and their pet. It seems like the way that you told the story was just about this connection between two living beings. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think um I think the the only thing that would matter a little bit more in regards to their their gender and sexuality being a part of it is I've up until recently actually and I think it was the third season of um Master of None they tackled this subject with a queer couple but um I had never seen in film or television um This particular subject matter of, I'm just going to say it, losing a child, Mm -hmm. been represented with a a queer couple before. I think, I mean, I know that deep down we know, you know, anybody can lose a baby, but uh, I think it's somewhat of a heteronormative um, subject matter. That's true. I don't think we really place it on to no this can happen with between two women this can happen between two men i don't see that representation in film a lot so to that regard i think making um making a film you know with two women at the helm tackling something that we've never really seen unless it was with like a, a straight couple um i that was really important to me but but you're right i mean like regardless of that that specific representation, it's two human beings. And, you know, you could be a a straight man or a gay man or a straight woman or a gay woman and watch this and be like, oh, God, like, I can relate to this on on a human level, whether or not you've experienced the loss of a baby. But
0: um, yeah, well, you bring up a good point, because it is very uncommon that any same sex couple represented in TV or film would even have a child. You know, it's usually something right. that if it's done, it's done in a comedic way, or maybe they're watching somebody's kid, but they don't really have one of their own or they talk about adopting, but you never see it happen. So that right. that's true. I, I'd forgotten about that. That's a, a really good point. Uh, but props for going for it, for putting a movie like this out there. I think that these are the movies that people need to see from time to time. You know, uh, it, these are things that are important that make people appreciate people in relationships and be respectful of feelings. And maybe realize that what might not be important to you is important or hurtful to someone else. I think it gives us a perspective that we easily forget in the world that we live in of being ridiculously busy and not really taking time to stop and think about people.
1: Yeah. What made me feel, you know, really good and you don't you really don't know how people are going to respond to your movie until you do put it on YouTube Um, and by the way, it's 900,000 views. We passed 900,000 views on YouTube.
0: Holy cow. I I was slightly off with my (laughs) (laughs) 20,000. That's awesome. Congratulations.
1: We're on our way to a million. Yeah. And we, we had just released it on YouTube like five months ago.
0: Yeah.
1: So it did, it did really well on the timeframe so far, but, um, so you never know how it's going to do. And, and, since releasing on youtube tons of comments to go through and it's been really lovely to read everybody's thoughts but some of my favorites have definitely been um queer women commenting and saying like like god i just i i love that this representation is about two women just struggling with their relationship and with losing a baby and not about a a queer person who's struggling just with their sexual identity and just about being gay like and and those films are important they they're always going to have a place the coming out stories and just struggling with our identity because it's not like it's it's you know entirely normalized yet but um so not to knock those movies but just to have something that doesn't tackle sexual identity and tackles just struggles of just human beings they just happen to be gay right well, because so there, there, people-
0: there are other stories in those relationships to tell besides the dealing with the sexual identity. I mean, there's, right. there's, there's all so the normal more- relationship stuff. And then, you know, there's other things that those couples will have to specifically deal with, like, you know, whether yeah. it's hatred or pushback or whatever. Um, but no, that's a, that is a great point because it doesn't focus really on that at all. It's just, right. these two people are in love, something horrible happens. This is how, They develop their relationship going forward and how they deal with the positive and negative moments. Uh, I think it's brilliant. I love it.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah,
0: I I want as soon as I saw it, I wanted to reach out to you right away. In fact, I I watched it twice and then I reached out to you and I'm like, I really want to talk (laughs) to you about this film. I think I think it's a very important film for society and just for for people, even if they're not gay, for people to just understand that these are normal relationships. It's not like There's any secret agenda. They're not trying to convert you. There's nothing weird going on. It's just it comes down to two people being in love. And that's what it's all about.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Now, I want to talk to you about another project that you shared with me. And I've got the links to both of these in the show notes for you guys that are listening or watching us here on YouTube. Um, This artistic project is, is really interesting because you have a photography component to it, but you also have a video component to it. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Um, yeah. So the series is called a reclamation and it's basically a a series of uh, 10 photos that, um, tell the story of a girl who is basically recovering, um, healing after sexual trauma. Um, and I, I had been wanting to tell this story like visually in some way for a while. And I, and I chose photography because, um, it just felt like the right medium for this. I, but I wanted to do it in a way where it was like the, the stills themselves seemed like, like something like a screen grab from a film. I wanted them to be a little bit more cinematic and and interesting and different. Um, but I had been on the hunt for a um, conceptual photographer for a while. And I met one, we'd been friends for a couple of years and I finally went to him and I was just like, this is a story I want to tell here are my notes for each, each image. What do you think? And he immediately was just like, yes, let's do this. This is, this is amazing. And then we got a team together. Chandra bond also helped to produce this series. And, um, we, uh, we, we went out and just, uh, I think it's four, four or five days of shooting. And this actually happened right before the pandemic hit and then COVID hit. We still needed to get one more shot. We got our last shot. Um, And then I really wanted to do an art show, but with COVID, I was like, crap, I don't think this is going to, you know, this isn't going to happen. And I'm so glad I never ended up publicly releasing them yet because as restrictions started to lift and things started to ease up a little bit, um, we were able to actually have our show. And it was really important to me to, and I was actually one of the, one of our team members was like, what do you think about doing something a little more interactive? So it's not just photos on a wall and people walking through like What can we do here? And that's when we started talking about a music component and a lighting component. So we basically rented out this fantastic venue and every single picture, I went and got massive canvases done, canvas prints, and every single picture had its own spotlight. So it was actually, the lights were off, every picture had a spotlight on it. And then we, I did a soundtrack of, um, very cinematic, uh, music, a lot of it was a little bit more somber and calm, but there were like "Time," the the song that's in the video, "Time" by Hans Zimmer, which is from Inception. Um, that ended up being the one that I think played on loop the most. It just worked so perfectly with like the visuals um, that I wanted to put a video together for it because I was like, "Yeah, I, I I have to." Like the people who were actually there got the experience with the music. I have to put this online as well, just to kind of like show people what that feels like to, to kind of see it with the music. But um, yeah, so we did an art show. And then I uh, was really successful and just released it, I think, a month or so ago, officially,
0: so. I, I will say that, you know, you and I both know very well how powerful music can be with when, when put to images, yes. even still images, if they're if they're done in a way that, you know, kind of they, they fade in and out with the music or however they want to interact. But I have to say, just standing on their own each and every one of those images is very powerful without the music i mean yeah. they're just stunning images when you understand the concept of the story that you're telling they're heartbreaking and yet there's some of them that feel kind of empowering at the same time it's it's really amazing the uh, the roller coaster of emotions i felt going from picture to picture
1: yeah i uh, i i love that i, I this story was so, um, I mean, I, I had had it in my head for so long to finally be able to get it out <laughs> was like very cathartic and just really, really nice. Um, and to just to work with such like wonderful people and talented people to help me bring it to life as well. But I, um, I wanted something that would represent that pain, um, to, and then the process of just kind of like finding that your light again, finding that light again, finding yourself again and taking people on that journey from beginning to end. And, and because you only have like, it's not a moving picture. You only have one image to do each thing. Um, finding the best ways to have each picture be that representation on its own, you know, for whatever the, the adjective would be, but, um, whether it's the growth or the pain or the shame or the embarrassment. Um, but I, yeah, I'm finally getting that out was, um, it was kind of like a pinch me moment. I was just like, God, I've been sitting on this for like five years and we finally just did it. And I'm, I'm so happy with them. Um, and I love for me, just telling stories in any way, whether it's going to be through film or through photography, I just love to tell stories. And I also, I'm big, huge on music. So regardless of this, just being pictures, I was like, I can add a music element to this and to heighten this experience for people. So, um, but I appreciate you saying that they, they stand, you know, well enough on their own. Um, that's really nice to hear.
0: Yeah. I, I watched, I looked at the pictures before I watched the video. I figured that would probably be the best order for me to do it. in. First image I just sat there going, Wow. And the second image I just went, Wow. <laughs> you know, and it just <laughs> it just like increased after each one. So very, very powerful project. I'm so glad you finally were able to get that out. I know that feeling of of just having something that's just like so on the edge of being a real thing and, and it just sits in your mind or on a notebook page or whatever it is. And that release of getting it out there is so exhilarating. Yet, did you also find that it was more terrifying because so much had been built up for you to release it that were you more nervous maybe putting that out there for people than than you would have been normally?
1: Um, I think the art show was very nerve-wracking for me because it was the first time that just random people were going to see it uh, other than just my own friends. And I remember having a moment where I... I I think I turned to Chandra and I was just like, is this good? Like, is this (laughs) like, is this worthy of this show right now? Like, should we be, I kind of had a little imposter syndrome. I was like, is this, is this good? Should we be doing this in this way? And she was just like, Vanessa, it's good. Yes, it's fine. And, um, we, we did a two day, two day art show and the responses from people, you know, it goes back to like, you just never know how people are going to respond to it, how people are going to connect to it it was just another moment where so many people had such really beautiful things to say, but I was also surprised to find that a lot of people, it, it, opened a space, like a safe space up for people to talk about some of their experiences. And I was actually really surprised that, um, some of my friends who had opened up to me about some stuff were men Really, and it was like, they came through and they looked at it and it just, they felt so compelled to, to talk about you know, an experience with depression or this or that. And, um, that was, that was really surprising to me, but just really beautiful and amazing at the same time. Um,
0: well, I don't think you'd find anything that would validate your being in that space with that art project any more than those responses.
1: Right. Especially a man in a world that tells him to, you know, excuse my language, but, you know, not be a pussy and be a man and grow some balls and, You know, it's just that toxic language that we use towards men about having feelings and opening up their feelings. So yeah, to get, to get those responses where a man is just like, I'm feeling things and I'm going to tell you what I'm feeling. That was, that was cool.
0: Well, I, and I'm glad that we're moving into a space now for people where they realize that this boys don't cry bullshit doesn't really exist. This whole, you have to be a man. And what it means to be a man is to stand up and take care of the things that you need to take care of, take care of yourself take care of whether it's your family or your friends or whoever, uh, which is really the responsible responsibility of everyone. But to start getting away from this, you know, men can't have feelings. We can't be emotional. We can't do this or that. But yet men have been writing songs. Men have been writing movies with emotion in it, with emotional scenes. That's okay, but it's not okay to talk about feelings. It's such a mixed message that we've been given all these years. I'm glad we're starting to get a little bit past some of that. And I'm really so excited to hear that men are opening up and talking about things. It's so unhealthy not to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To just like pent uply to not be able to have a release and just to suppress things deeper and deeper. I mean, as women, we don't, you know, I'm grateful that as women we have more of a space to kind of just talk about our feelings. It's, it feels safer to be able to talk about our feelings and, uh, and I know for, you know, obviously so many of my, my male friends and acquaintances, it's, it's hard for them because society has conditioned them to believe that it's not okay. I hate that. And, um, so, um, some of my friends who are actually doing the work on themselves and, and, and being okay with being emotional or expressing their feelings and kind of getting to that place of like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I really don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. This is how I feel. I love that because I mean, we all deserve that.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of that thing that I'm, I'm glad it's happening, but I hate that it has to happen. I hate that for yeah. one, we have a society that requires people to feel that way in the first place and puts people in a position to not be able to talk about it. But at the same time, I'm glad that for people like you that are helping to be an open door to people to say, hey, come on in here. This is a place where you can talk. I'm so grateful for you doing that and for people that are doing what you're doing to help facilitate a better world, because that's what we need now more than ever.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk to you about your your current project in the works because uh, this is, is really exciting too. Um, I'm just going to let you talk about it because I, I, I really <laughs> just, I don't even know what to ask.
1: Um, so uh, long story short, I wrote a feature script with my writing partner. Um, it's about uh, stand-up comics who go on the road um, for a weekend showcase. And their plans basically become completely um, derailed by this uh, this mad woman who runs the club and her homicidal bouncer. So it's kind of like this like dark, raunchy road comedy. Um, we wrote it together and uh, we, so I, earlier before we started the show, we were talking about like, you know, if, if, if you don't ask. You, you never give people the opportunity to say yes so this is kind of one of those instances where I was working on um a project last year during the holidays um as a second AD and uh I which I have sworn off I have like I hope last year is my last year second ADing because I've done it for so <laughs> long that I'm like I'm done I don't I can't do it anymore um But it pays the bills. So I was second ADing and I was working with this actress named um, Arden Myron. And she's a Mad TV alumni. And she's also done a bunch of stuff like Shameless and Orange is the New Black and Insatiable on Netflix. And she's just like this really quirky, spunky actress. And I was telling my, my writing partner about her. And he was just like, you know, she would fit the character of Cheryl from our script so well. And I'm like, you're right. So I decided to ask her if she would read the script which is kind of a no-no like I'm not really supposed to go up to actors on set and be like hey would you read my script but I was like fuck it I'm gonna do it anyways so I I walked into her little holding room and I was just like hey Arden um I I have this project it's about comics um you would be great for it. and she cut me off and she was just like send it I would love to read it wow and I was just like oh, okay so Usually you
0: get the, uh, the hard stop is you need to go through my agent. You need to set an appointment, (laughs) send them the script and all that, you know, and a treatment.
1: I was waiting for that. I was waiting for her to be like, Oh, send it to my agent. And she was like, Nope, just send it directly to me. She gave me her direct contact and, um, we sent the script off. She read it. She really liked it. She was like, yep, this is great. Um, and we, I mean, we, we had no money, no funding. Like it was just, we were at the very, very beginning of things. And, um. She was like, I, I think I might have somebody who would be great for Dave, which is the male lead. And it ended up being Dallas Roberts, who um, was also an insatiable. And he's done a bunch of big stuff like 310 to Yuma and Dallas Buyers Club and Motherless Brooklyn Walking Dead. And she she pitched him on it. It was just kind of like a domino effect. Right. She pitched him on it. And he read the script and he was like, Yep, I'm in. And basically, with no money to our project, both of them sent in LOI's letter of intent to be a part of the project. So all of a sudden we have two names attached, which is amazing. Um, we ended up getting a an EP on board to help us facilitate some stuff as well. A lot of this is just kind of like coming to form as of today, which is So great timing. We today found out that we just got another, um, are getting another LOI for a talent, Luis Guzman.
0: Can't go wrong with him.
1: And I'm like, oh my God, he's perfect for this role and he's just all around fantastic. So he's on board now and we actually just pitched Netflix today too. So and I'm up to direct it. I should have led with that. I'm actually up to direct this one. So I'm like, it's kind of, it's another pinch me moment. It doesn't feel real at all. And I'm, you know, and I guess in reality, it's not quite real yet because we have no money. Nothing is real until you have money. That's kind of like the way that I I look at things because it helps to not be so disappointed when things don't happen. But I'm like, we've got three pretty solid names attached to this. We've got this great EP who had this contact at Netflix and he was the one who pitched it. Like, we're, we're getting things moving, but um, yeah, we're pretty excited. And if everything goes our way, we are looking to film in the summertime.
0: Well, I will keep my fingers crossed, but I will say this. The fact that you got people to read the script and be interested in it just to the point where they would say yes without talking about contract terms, pay, scheduling, anything at all, that shows that the script itself, the story that you're telling, has a real power to it. You know, and that doesn't surprise me based on the stuff that I've seen from you already, because you're a very impactful writer. And uh, I love that. I love that you got three people that are like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I I want in. I want to be a part of this without being like, well, you know, what's the pay? When are you when you know, what do I have to do? When's the shoot? That's pretty amazing because that does not happen very often.
1: No, it's it's really rare. (laughs) It's really rare unless you have like, you know, friends or friends of friends, which is kind of how we got um louise guzman actually because we um we have a friend who is actually a gaffer who knows um louise and he was like i can reach out to him i can push the script over to him and fortunately louise just got finished filming um tim burton's wednesday and so he had some time and he was like yeah i'll take a look at it and he read it and originally um his, his availability dates weren't going to work with our original timeline. So he said no. And then we had to push the shoot and we went back to him. We were like, well, what about now? And he was just like, yeah. So it all worked out and we're so happy for happy for that. But like, yeah, it goes back to, if you, if you want something, just ask the question because, and if it's no cool move on, but you are never going to know if you don't give people the chance to hear you out. And so I've, i definitely learned that on pretty much every project that that I've worked on and it's just so important and it's, it's worked out. It's worked out. So,
0: yeah. I mean, I've always been one to say that if you, if you want something and you go for it, the worst you're going to hear is no. And if you can handle the word no and saying, okay, I, at least I went for it. I'd rather be on my deathbed knowing that I went for the things I wanted in life, whether I got them or not, than going, what if, what would have happened if wouldn't it have been cool if I had just, you know, I don't want to be saying those phrases as yeah. you know, my mind is going away. Uh, I really respect that. I love that you did that, and I am very, very anxious to to see how this all turns out. I I'm sure whatever it is will be a fantastic film, and I have no doubt that it will it will touch people one way or another. <laughs> but I've got to say, I I have uh, talked to some comedians, and I have such a great respect for a comedian because there is so much more than just writing a bunch of jokes or writing out a story and telling it in front of people. Sure. You have to be so aware of everything that's going on in the room. What joke is hitting, not just what joke hits, but in what area, on what night, you know, in front of what kind of crowd. There's so many little things that you have to be aware of as a comedian to be good that I grew to have so much more respect for those guys. Once I learned all that, it's that that's a tough job.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And my my buddy, um, my writing partner, he because this is actually the story is based on his time as an improv comic. And running a comedy club for for ten years, ish, and he, like, it's based on some of the relationships he made, some of the people, some of the wacky people he he met. Like, there was just so much to unpack in this story, because you know, there's also a lot of. I think it's a. I think it's tough being a comedian. And there's a lot of drugs and there's a lot of alcohol. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of shit that haunts those people. It's, it can be just a really heavy, heavy occupation, um, to navigate and a lot of obstacles to navigate. And he saw so much of it. So we have a lot of those elements in this, um, that I don't think we kind of really consider or see on the surface of things. Cause we're just watching somebody who's making us laugh, but there's, there's so much more than that. So it's kind of the story is a little bit more layered, which is great and kind of cracks that open a little bit more.
0: Oh, good. Well, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Uh, before we go, I wanted to ask you, so is directing really where you want to be at? Is that your main thing? Do you still want to act every once in a while? Or what do you, you, where do you want to be?
1: I think writing and directing is definitely my, my main thing. Um, every once in a while I'm really open to it. I kind of have a love hate relationship with acting. So I'm very, um, I don't know. Sometimes I love it and I, and I, and I miss it. And I want to do it more. And other times I can't even like handle thinking about having to do a, a taped audition. It's such a horrible process. to be honest. <laughs> So, um, I, I love, um, writing and, and directing and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely steered more in that direction these days. But for me, I think it's like if an opportunity pops up to act and, and I love the character, and I love the story. I'm so open to it. But it's definitely not like my main, my main thing right now, my main focus.
0: Well, you could always do the Oliver Stone thing and just write yourself into your movie here or there. You know, just give yourself right. a little part <laughs> so you can kind of satisfy that that need. <laughs> to yeah, just sprinkle you know. myself
1: in every now and then. That right. sounds good.
0: Do you, do you enjoy writing other things besides films? Like, have you done, uh, like short stories that aren't designed to be put out or do you just really, is that what your focus is on is, is writing for medium
1: screenplays? Yeah. 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 I've, I've never really been much of a writer beyond the screenplay format. Um, I mean, I've like kind of dabbled in like novel writing and stuff, but, um, but yeah, screenplays for me are, are. I just remember being a little girl and my dad would always take me to the movies, just constantly. We would always go to the movies. And I just, I just became really fascinated with the process. And I loved to write as a kid. And I would always write like goosebumps stories. Cause I thought I was going to publish goosebumps one day, a book on goosebumps. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, how do I like merge these two things? And then I begged my mom to buy me, a movie magic screenwriter software for like a hundred dollars way, way. I was like in middle school, I think I was in sixth or seventh grade. So that was, that was a little, that was a lot. She was like, are you really going to use this? Are you like, she, I think she thought that I was just kind of like being a dumb kid. It was just like hopping from hobby to hobby to hobby. She bought me the program and I learned it and I started writing in middle school and it's just never stopped for me. Like, I love it so much.
0: That's awesome. I love the the creativity that people have. It's, You know, I, I, I've never been one personally to suffer with writer's block or to sit there and go, I don't have any ideas. It seems like there's always something to work on, you know, and I, I love people that have that same, just, there's so many things and not enough time to do them all kind of lifestyle as a writer. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I'm so excited to watch your career grow and see what happens with this project and the one after that. And the one after that, are you hoping to do another art art show piece?
1: Um, for the same series or for something else for, for anything as far as like photography goes um right now no um I, I I'm so happy I was able to explore that as an option to tell a story um but yeah I I love that I just I don't have really anything else that is pulling me in that direction right now but maybe someday for sure um but yeah, as far as storytelling goes, um, sticking to, sticking to script scripts, still going to stick to like shorts. You know, I, I have a couple that I would love to make one day. It's hard to find investors because there's no money in it. So it's kind of one of those things where like one, maybe if I sell a script or sell a show or something like that, cause I write for like a lot of pilots and stuff too, then okay, take that and like put it into a short for myself. But I always want to, I never want to lose sight of being able to do something just kind of entirely for myself, and I think that's where shorts kind of fall into that that range of just like that kind of creativity where it's whatever you want to do. And I'd like to think that I will always want to crank one out every now and then.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe you'll get to the point where you're so successful you won't need investors to do those kind of things. You can just say, Ah, I'll take a little bit of money out of savings, and it's exactly. not going yeah. to hurt me at all. You know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, sell a script, put some money in savings, take out like, I don't know, 10 grand and go make a short. Right. That sounds great. That sounds like the life.
0: (laughs) I'm sure whatever you do is going to be fantastic. You're, you're very impressive. I love the work I've seen from you so far. I love this. Just go out and give it a shot attitude that you have. I think that's fantastic. Uh, You need to be kind of fearless in this business to be successful. And and you, I'm sure you have things that you're reserved about, but you seem like you're just like, what's going to hurt to ask? Let's just do it.
1: Yeah, I think it's been a lot of um, reconditioning myself to take up more space and use my voice more and and not be so, you know, ashamed about doing that. Because um, I definitely wasn't always like this. and I feel like I kind of had to recondition myself to be like, no, you, you deserve to speak up. And again, the worst somebody can say is no, because it's always a thing of like, well, I don't want to bother anybody. And it's like, well, it, if, if you do fine, if you don't hear from them, whatever, like then you just move on to the next, but yeah, it's, it's taken a little bit of work to get to the point where I'm can be comfortable enough to not be so afraid to ask for something or kind of omitting that attitude of like, oh, they're never going to say yes. Like they're just, I shouldn't even try. It's not going to happen. Like, no, fuck that. I Yeah. Like the song for Sam and Emma, I never would have gotten that song if I had that attitude because I, I was worried. I was like, oh, this is she's kind of an up and coming artist. Like the song has been featured in some big shows, Euphoria, Good Girls. Why is she going to give me this song for like three hundred dollars? But I asked and she said yes. So. Yeah, I definitely learned that you just you got to go for it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Otherwise, you'll never get anything out of life if you don't. So good for you. Please come back on the show as you as things progress. I really want to kind of track your career and see where you do where you go and what you do, because I think it's going to be great.
1: Thank you so much. I, thanks for having me on. It's been such a joy talking to you today. Thank
0: you, and thanks for uh, thanks for working through the schedule conflicts between your life and my life, and <laughs> trying to me because we've been actually trying to to make this happen for what about a month and a half now, and yeah. uh, it's it's really great that we were able to do it. I had so much fun talking to you. Can't wait to do it again.
1: Same. Thank you.
0: Thank you. You take care and good luck.